0: Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Columbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three martinis coming up.
1: It's election day. It's finally here. This is your Three Martini Lunch, the final one you're going to hear before the votes are counted in large number. And possibly by the time you hear our next episode, you'll actually know who's gonna be sworn in as president and vice president in January. We're brought to you today by ExpressVPN. Go to expressvpn.com slash martini, and you'll get an extra three months free. ExpressVPN.com slash martini. More on them in a little bit. So today, Jim, we definitely have bad and crazy martinis. Our first martini, usually the good slot, is our predictions. Now, this is our third presidential election that we've covered on the Three Martini Lunch. So far, we're 0-2. On our predictions. Uh, we uh, found a way we thought that Mitt Romney was going to win in 2012. That obviously did not happen. And we did not think that Donald Trump would draw the inside straight that he did in 2016. I have good news for you today, though. One of us, I think, is going to be right uh, once we actually know who wins this thing. So, uh, Jim, let's start with the presidential race. And I will begin with the the swing states. And as always, you start with the previous electoral map, which Trump beat Hillary 306 to 232. Now, unless you count Minnesota as a swing state, every swing state is a state that Trump won. So he's obviously playing a whole lot more defense than Joe Biden is. I think that Trump holds on to Iowa. I think he wins Florida. I'm a little more iffy on Georgia and North Carolina, but I think ultimately he gets it done. I think he wins Ohio. And the one I'm probably the least uh, confident of uh, before we get to the real battlegrounds is Arizona, uh, because I don't think the Senate race is going to go that way. And I just don't know how many ticket splitters there are out there. Uh, I think Biden will win Minnesota. And I think he's going to win two out of three in the Rust Belt. On my list, I have him winning Michigan and Wisconsin. He also is going to win all the electoral votes in Maine. But uh, despite what we'll talk about in our bad martini, I have an inkling that uh, President Trump might squeak out Pennsylvania. And if that's the case, it's Trump 279, Biden 259. A lot has to go right. He has to draw that inside straight again. And ultimately, it's going to come down to a couple of weird questions, Jim, in the minds of a lot of people. Uh, First of all, can you beat something with largely nothing but opposition? I mean, Joe Biden is not probably who most Democrats wanted. He didn't campaign much. He didn't get specific a lot. The press didn't call him on much. But obviously, a lot of people on the left and some not on the left really don't like Donald Trump. So can you beat something with almost nothing? Or is the opposition so strong to someone that someone that may not have complete control of their faculties can even win an election? That's what we're going to find out today. The other thing that I think is interesting is how well this Trump campaign strategy of everybody show up on election day is going to play out. If you looked at the emails and the tweets from campaign manager Bill Stepien yesterday, He thinks he's got the math all set up in these key swing states. He knows how far the Democrats are ahead in terms of banked votes in the early vote. And he says, we know of these votes in Michigan. We need 350,000. We think we've got 400,000. We think uh, just today that they can win by. He thinks that they can win by a million just today in Pennsylvania. And he goes state by state and how they can do that. Uh, The weather's pretty good in the swing states, even if it's a little cold, but folks there are used to that. So it could happen but they're riding on an awful lot when some folks uh, in a lot of these states could have showed up and early voted and not run the risk of having a sick kid or having to work late or whatever. Uh, But uh, as of right now, uh, I'm a little bit bullish uh, where I probably wasn't a few weeks ago and I've got Trump eking it out again. Uh, Greg, you are probably going to be more
0: popular amongst our listeners than I am. And, you know, probably some people are saying, yes, that's always the case. Um, the, so I, I made my final picks on the editor's podcast that we taped on Friday. And I've said to myself, you know, you make your final pick, you do it the Friday before the election. Usually, you know, you don't see a ton of changes in those last three days. Um, even the Bin Laden tape came out the Friday before the election. Uh, so, you know, there, there's really not some reason i I've, I've made my picks. I really shouldn't be changing them any. I shouldn't be wavering. And my pick that you know at that taping was uh, Biden, three hundred six electoral votes, two hundred thirty two for Trump. Um, Among the key swing states, I thought Biden will keep uh, Biden will flip Arizona to blue, Uh, North Carolina, although I think that one's going to be close, and Pennsylvania, although that one's going to be close, and it's probably going to be tied up in um, litigation. Uh, The rest of the blue wall, I think, holds for uh, Democrats, and I feel pretty confident about that. You, You know, Michigan, Wisconsin. Um, It looked like Minnesota was flippable and the polls just have not looked in that direction. Um, And also for those keeping track of that stuff, uh, the congressional district in Omaha, uh, Nebraska, I think Biden will take. So he gets one electoral vote there. And I currently think uh, Biden wins both congressional districts in Maine. That's what I thought Friday. I haven't changed it that much, although I would point out, you know, that polls have tightened in Arizona. I think you'd characterize that state as a jump ball. So Trump winning Arizona would not be a crazy scenario in my book. And I think it's a very similar story in North Carolina. Uh, not necessarily two states you'd think to be very similar, but they're both uh, states with a, a hard-fought uh, Senate race, one where the, you know, some Republicans are grumbling, the candidates are not exactly carrying their fair share of the weight. Uh, two states that have always been seen as traditionally very Republican, and also two states where this, the vote basically comes down to the suburbs. Uh, Maricopa County in in Arizona has, I believe, sixty one percent of the entire state's population. If you don't do well in that county, there just aren't enough votes in the rest of the state to make up that margin. I guess I could you, know, you can you can flip one or two of those states, and then Trump would just need Pennsylvania. And as I said, I think Pennsylvania is going to be a long, ugly. Uh, contested fight. I think it's going to be a close vote. I'm hearing anecdotally a high turnout, um, and you know, polling places so far this morning, including some Bucks County, where I said it looked like everybody was celebrating Trumpmas. Uh, I think that uh, you, you probably have heard the stories about uh, 29,000 erroneous, wrong ballots were sent out in Allegheny County, which includes Pittsburgh. That's going to complicate things. They're trying to send out the correct ones, but then the question is, if somebody sends back the wrong ballot. Do you count it? Do you not count it? Do you check? You know, all that kind of stuff. I don't know if you're going to see a, uh, an announcement in Pennsylvania by tomorrow, never mind by tonight. So I think uh, it will be a Biden win. I still think it's a Biden win, even with the movement we've seen. I feel Trump will win Florida pretty confidently. Um, I think probably by a wider margin than the last time where it was like, you know, 1% and change. I think he wins Iowa. Um, I think he wins Ohio. And that's, oh, and the other interesting thing is, so Texas, uh, a couple of these red states like Texas and Georgia look a little shaky. I think Trump hangs on. I think he wins by a smaller margin than he did last time. I think probably an uncomfortable margin for Republicans. There was an odd tweet that came out, or at least the the Biden campaign held a press conference for reporters and put out a very strange uh, thing where they said they gave their calculations of what percentage of the vote Trump needs to win today. To make their uh, to win the state overall, based on the early vote advantage, the Biden campaign thinks that they have best state. They said was Pennsylvania. They think fifty nine percent. This lines up with what Stepien said. Stepien said that Democrats are ahead in the early vote. They knew that was going to be the case. They're going to make up. They're going to make it up on uh, the voting today. They think he needs. He's going to have a margin of a million votes today. Uh, the Biden campaign thinks uh, Trump's got to win 59%. After that, it's Florida, 56%. I'm a little surprised because I'm hearing a lot of people say the early vote for Republicans went way better than they expected in Florida. Democrats always have an advantage there, and it's much smaller this time around. Um, And by the way, out of all these states, I think Florida is the one that looks most friendly to Trump. This is probably the lowest hanging fruit an orange, if you will. Um, and then in Ohio, 52%. Again, I think the early vote, you think you got to keep in mind with the early vote calculations when people look, oh, Republicans have voted this many, this many, Democrats have voted that many. Ohio doesn't really register voters by party. What they do do is keep track of whether you voted in a Republican primary earlier, or whether you voted in a Democratic primary earlier. And if you whichever one you voted in last, that's what the state thinks you are. By the way, all this is done by the counties. It is not done by the state. So you got to go through each county and collect it, tabulate it yourself. Again, Republicans feel good about where they are in Ohio. If it comes out today, that, that if Trump loses Ohio, then I mean something, <laughs> something on the, somebody on the Trump campaign was counting uh, chickens before they hatch. And finally, the one that kind of jumps out at you, if this is what the Trump campaign is saying, I'm sorry, if the Biden campaign is saying, Biden campaign says, that Trump needs 49% of the election day vote in Texas to win. 49% is very doable. In fact, um, for as much as this has seemed like a swing state, you've seen people swinging it, uh, putting it as a toss-up state. Um, The last poll that had Biden ahead uh, was the Dallas Morning News one. It was conducted from October 13th to the 20th. Um, Other than, you know, the uh, Emerson poll had a tie. The Quinnipiac poll had a tie. Every other poll going back to August had Trump, sometimes up by one, sometimes up by like six or seven. Um, Not, you know, enormous margins, but certainly margins that will, that would make Republicans feel comfortable. So add it all up. I think it'll be close. And I think a lot of Democrats who are expecting a Biden landslide will be unpleasantly surprised by tonight. And who knows, maybe Trump pulls the inside straight again. He does
1: get uh, 270 electoral votes. He's only got to win one out of the three up there, but all of them are very, very competitive. But uh, I think we both agree that Pennsylvania is his best shot at doing so. Uh, Jim, we we keep thinking this is going to take forever, but given how much early vote is out there, and assuming it was logged on machines, uh, we should if there's already 100 million votes banked, plus today, we should have a pretty good idea tonight, right? Well, it depends, because certain states, for example, we'll know Florida tonight.
0: Uh, Or at least have a really good idea of who won Florida tonight. Because in Florida, you're allowed to count the votes before Election Day. Uh, Certain states, uh, like in Texas, certain localities, more than 100,000 people can can count the votes early. Some places, they aren't allowed to start counting until 7 a.m. this morning. And some states, I believe in Maine, they're not allowed to even start counting until the polls close. Mm. So, depending on that, will be a big factor of whether you can, uh, you know, how much of the vote do we have tabulated this evening. I think a bunch of the important ones, like Florida, Georgia, and North Carolina, will come in tonight. And from that, we'll have a
1: really good sense of who's going to be the next president of the United States. All right, let's move on to the legislative branch of our government. Uh, you and I are not going seat by seat in the House of Representatives. That would keep us here for a very long time. Uh, I do believe that the Democrats will hold. Uh, you had mentioned the other day that the Republicans might gain a few. I'm seeing uh, some other folks suggesting the same, other folks suggesting it'll be about the same. And so I don't, there, there's gonna be some some seats shifting uh, here and there, but overall, I, I think it's largely gonna stay about the same. I'm hoping that... Uh, in Virginia, that uh, Nick Freitas can take out uh, Spanberger. Uh, Burgess Owens looks like he's got a shot in Utah. Looks like Daryl Ice is going to be back in Congress in that old Duncan Hunter Jr. seat. So uh, in the end, I'd be surprised if there was a huge shift in the House. But, but you never know. If there actually is more of a trend election than we're suggesting on the presidential level, uh, that could certainly carry on to the House and Senate as well. But yeah, sure. you
0: haven't seen a, a lot of Republicans buzzing about the House. Uh, I, I have a feeling that if Republicans were uh, in striking distance, one, you'd see more panic among Democrats about this, and two, you'd see more Dem- – Republicans just have had lousy fundraising, lousy enthusiasm, um, tough recruiting this cycle. You know, just uh, not a good cycle for it. They're hoping for big presidential coattails. I get. I think they'll pick up some – you know, the lowest-hanging fruit, the South Carolina First District – uh, the district around Oklahoma City, there are about four or five, maybe even six or seven seats that they won in 2018 that they won just because it was a wacky, crazy, uh, huge Democratic wave year or odd situations like Mark Sanford, you know, taking his bat and his ball and going home and not helping uh, the, the Republican candidate who beat him in the primary. So, uh, you know, I think
1: they'll pick up, I don't I'm not expecting a huge change in the House, maybe a few seats in one direction. All right, let's look at the Senate real quickly. This is all still the first martini. Don't you love the detail here? Republicans playing defense a lot more than they did last time. Uh, But I believe the Republicans will keep Iowa. The latest polls, they're looking pretty good for Joni Ernst. I think Danes wins the Battle of the Steves in Montana, although the House race there is also very close. Um, so we'll see if Trump has major coattails there. That's a, that's a state where that could certainly make a difference. Uh, I think Trump drags Lindsey Graham across the line in South Carolina, but I wouldn't be shocked there. Uh, I believe Roger Marshall, uh, wins the open seat in Kansas where Pat Roberts is retiring. I think John Cornyn hangs on in Texas and I'm not even sure this is really a competitive race anymore. Cocaine Mitch, I think, will be reelected in Kentucky, and Republicans, I think, will easily pick up the Alabama Senate seat. I think Jones is done. And Tommy Tuberville, War Eagle, uh, and uh, he's going to need some Roll Tide votes there, too, though. Uh, and so, as of right now, that's plus one for the Republicans, but sadly, it's not going to stay there. I also think if Trump keeps it very close or wins Michigan, I think he brings John James with him. But uh, if Biden wins by probably more than three points there, I think I think that Gary Peters uh, who's pretty much a dud, uh, is probably going to get reelected. The bad news for the Republicans is that I believe Cory Gardner is toast in Colorado. I think Hickenlooper wins there. I think uh, Kelly beats McSally in Arizona, uh, which I mentioned uh, again. Uh, we'll see if there's much ticket splitting there. I think Susan Collins is in big trouble in Maine. My gut says that Tillis is in trouble, but he's down by about the same margin he was against Kay Hagen he won six years ago. So that's, that's one I'm not too sure about. But right now, I'm giving it to the Democrats, but I could easily see Tillis hanging on there by a thread, which then leaves the two races in Georgia, which I think will both go to a runoff. Uh, If James does not win in Michigan, it's 50 to 48 Democrats with both of those Georgia seats uh, headed towards a January runoff. And if James does win, it's 49-49. So depending on who wins the White House, uh, Jim, uh, this frantic, insane campaign intensity will all be focused on the great state of Georgia. I'm sure they can't wait. I was going to say, if Biden wins the, the presidency, there's a world of
0: difference between 50 Republican seats and 51 Republican seats. Um, so you, assume the GOP, you know, we start with 53. We start with what we currently have. Uh, we pick up Alabama to get to 54. So now you've got a situation where you can afford to lose three. You can still have a slim Senate majority for Republicans. If you lose four, it's 50-50, and Kamala Harris would presumably be casting the the, the tie-breaking vote in the Senate. If if Trump manages to hang on, then Mike Pence would be in this role. Um, So I, I think Susan Collins has improved in the last couple of weeks, a little bit of momentum. The problem is, Maine is this, you know, ranked choice voting, and it basically sounds like uh, if they go to that second choice second you know choice uh, factor, Collins is toast, so the only chance she can hang on is if she wins fifty percent and i don 't think she does that. I think you 're going to see a lot you know it could be you know one of those things where Collins wins 49-47 in that first round, and then you go to that second thing and she loses by you know by the ranked choice system. I think Republicans will have good reason to be complaining about that system. Um, Colorado, I concur Cory Gardner looks like toast, and he 's a great candidate who's just running in a purple state in a really rough year for his uh, party. I hope he runs for governor. I hope he stays active in politics. I don't like to see good talent, you know, uh, walking off the field early in a career. Uh, North Carolina, I th- you know, there's a little bit of momentum for Tom Tillis. As you said, it's, it's close. Uh, you'd like to think Cal Cunningham would be um, easy pickings. Uh, you know, this is a comp- uh, extremely important race in the presidential race. Um, you know, it's, it's possible, but at this point I don't have him, uh, winning that one. I think he's, he's proven to be a candidate who, as you said, yes, he was, you know, all, down by this margin six years ago, six years ago, 2014, a really good year for Republicans. Don't think it's going to be a fact work out the same way this time. Uh, Arizona, very similar story. Martha McSally kind of underwhelming in the 2018 race for Senate appears to be underwhelming in this year's race. I'd love to be wrong. I'd love to be surprised, but I'm just not seeing it there. Um, Iowa, Joni Ernst hangs on. Uh, you want to talk about a candidate who has gotten hot at the right time? Uh, I think Republicans keep the seat in Montana. I think I've, I've been reliably assured by dad that Lindsey Grahams is going to hold on. I pointed this out in a corner post yesterday. I remember, Jamie Harrison was like the hot story about two weeks ago. And there are a bunch of polls that show the race either close or he was just barely under. Um, just about every poll the last two weeks has had Graham up by a bit, not a lot, usually about two percentage points, but it's been consistent. Trump's going to win this state by a healthy margin. Um, it looks like Harrison will fall short. Could be a Beto O'Rourke style candidate. And, you know, depending on your measuring stick of success, hey, you know what? You made a Republican incumbent sweat for it. I I do kind of wonder if it's the Beto O'Rourke versus Ted Cruz dynamic of if the, if Ted Cruz had taken that race for granted, O'Rourke would have beaten him. If Harris, if Lindsey Graham had taken this race for granted, Harrison would have beaten him. Um, but I don't think that was the case. I think Graham's got enough support. And I, I concur also, I think both Georgia seats. Oh, uh, in Michigan, this is the one where I feel like if there's going to be a Republican Senate, this is how it's going to happen. And I, I feel like John James, all, he's a terrific candidate, did really well last time around in a terrible year for Republicans. Um, Didn't win, but, you know, certainly overshot expectations. And I keep hearing, you know, rumors through the grapevine that John James is polling considerably better than Donald Trump is in the state of Michigan. So Trump could lose Michigan. But if he keeps close, John James, if he's running three points, four points, five points ahead of Trump, maybe he's going to be able to do it. Um, I don't know how that's going to shake out. If, if, if If the Republicans keep the Senate, it's probably going to be because of John James um and beyond that also i think right both georgia senate seats uh, i think go to a runoff i think it's because i think biden wins the presidency i think democrats start to get complacent i think they'll be exhausted i think republicans will be pissed um and that's always good if your voters are angry they're going to show up and i think in georgia you'll see uh, the republicans will keep both of them i have it as a 50-50 tie um in the senate which uh, would have kamala harris breaking the uh, breaking the ties, but I think there's a slim chance John James shocks us all and ends up becoming the next big Republican superstar.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. And if it's 50-50 and Joe Manchin doesn't waffle, um, or Cinema, Sinema, uh, then you don't have rule changes. And so that can be a very big deal. Uh, Just looking at uh, the Maine and North Carolina, two things I would say there. Uh, First of all, ranked voting pretty much blows up the idea of one person, one vote, um, because there's all these different rounds now. And North Carolina, I think if Cunningham wins, you're going to see Republicans there and possibly elsewhere say, you know what, if you want to do early voting, that's fine, I guess. But can we at least shrink it to a couple of weeks before election day, doing this in mid-September when a whole lot of news can come out and possibly make people want to go back and change their votes because they didn't know it back in September. Um, I think you might see some folks looking at that. But uh, the good thing- I say, gonna
0: say, you know, it'll be really interesting to see now that more Americans have voted early than ever before, whether they decide they like it, and like, oh, I don't have to stand on, on online on election day. It's great. Or whether, you know, presuming, I, I'm hoping we have the pandemic done by sometime in spring and we're all vaccinated. Whether Americans say, you know what, I like this, I'm used to this, I'm going to vote early all the time. Or whether people are like, nah, this was a pain in the neck, I'm worried about the Postal Service losing my ballot, this is, this is uh, not convenient, this is too stressful, I'm going to do it the, uh, the old-fashioned way. So it'd be, it'd be
1: we're going to see some interesting fights about this in the, uh, in the years to come. Very good. And of course, it's not our predictions that matter. It's your vote. And if you want to go out there and and state on Twitter or wherever else uh, who you voted for and who you hope others vote for, go for it. That's your right as an American. And if you don't want anybody else to know, it's none of their business. You know what else is none of their business? Where you go online. It's also not the business of your internet service provider or anybody else. Did you know that your internet service provider, like Comcast or Verizon, knows every single website you visit? And what's worse is they can sell this information to ad companies and tech giants who will use your data to target you. ExpressVPN puts a stop to this. It creates a
0: secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so that your online activity cannot be seen by anyone. You should be using ExpressVPN on all your devices because it works on everything. Phones, laptops, even routers, so everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can still be protected even if they don't have ExpressVPN. The best part is using ExpressVPN is as easy as closing the bathroom door. You just fire up the app, click one button, and you are protected. And ExpressVPN is the world's number one rated VPN by CNET, Wired, The Verge, and countless
1: others. So if you're like us and you believe that your online activity is your business, secure yourself by visiting expressvpn.com martini today. Use our exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash martini, and you can get an extra three months free. That's expressvpn.com slash martini. So, Jim, uh, quickly on to our bad and crazy. That was obviously an extended first martini, but uh, our bad martini is uh, Philadelphia today. We're seeing a lot of folks out there, and you see this uh, all the time on Election Day. Now Democrats uh, post pictures of long lines and call that voter suppression. And Republicans uh, do a pretty good job of pointing out where folks aren't actually following the law. And in Philadelphia, that seems to be happening in a number of precincts. We've seen things on social media and elsewhere today where uh, campaign literature, which normally is given to voters uh, standing in line outside, which is perfectly legal as long as it's within a certain distance from the, the door, uh, that's actually happening inside the polling place in, in some cases. And also Republican poll watchers who have documentation to be there and to observe are being kept at a very long distance away from where the activity is happening, where voters check in and so forth. And so there's uh growing concerns that uh, in Philadelphia, uh, they're not playing by the rules there. And a day after the Pennsylvania attorney general actually tweeted out, if all the votes are counted, Joe Biden is going to win. Uh, chances are the Republicans aren't going to get a lot of help on short order with some of these situations.
0: Yeah, this is deeply frustrating. Now, as we've been having this conversation, uh, Greg, there is some word that one sign has been taken down in one of the Philly, uh, Philadelphia area schools, um, which is, you know, one good sign. That's one down. Um, it started out this morning. I, I saw somebody, you know, quite upset by a, uh, a picture or I guess it was a video of a polling place inside in somewhere in the Pittsburgh area. And he argued there was a Biden sign by the polling place. That's, uh, that's a violation of state law. Folks, if you think you see something wrong, uh, obviously, you know, record it, take pictures, you know, get proof, but also like, you know, check your state's law. In Pennsylvania, you you're allowed to have a sign outside the polling place, but it's got to be ten feet from uh, the polling place. Now, apparently, somebody argued: Does the polling place count as the room where people are casting their ballots? Does it count as the building? I think you can, you know, raise it with any you know polling official, any polling place uh, uh, officials working at that location. You know that you should be ten feet away. On the CNN screen this morning, it looked like it was 10 feet away. It looked like it was more than 10 feet away, in fact. But subsequently on Twitter, there have been one, including one at a public school in Philadelphia, (laughs) where it was right there next to the sign uh, telling you to vote for uh, the Democratic slate. And you are simply not allowed to do that. That is not, you know, that is not against state law. So look, check your state regulations, check your state law. And if you see something wrong, call it out. You know, social media can be helpful, or at least calling this out. Um, look, Philadelphia does not have a terrific reputation for election honesty. This doesn't help. Uh, and having the state attorney general basically acting like the head of the state democratic party does not help anyone reassure anyone that there's going to be a free and fair election in the state of
1: Pennsylvania. Yes, this is going to be uh, potentially ugly because of course, uh, I believe they still have the policy there where ballots returned not just postmarked, but even unpostmarked within three days of election day are going to count. And so obviously it doesn't take a genius to figure out that that could be uh, played with the wrong way. So buckle up. Uh, We might know some results quite quickly. We might know some others after a very long fight. So we will find out. Hi, I'm Sarah Carter. On every edition of the Sarah Carter podcast, I say we're taking back the story and that's exactly what we have to do. Whether it's the Russia hoax, the relentless attacks on President Trump pretending Antifa doesn't exist or covering up for the repressive Chinese government, the mainstream media isn't interested in the truth. It's up to us to uncover the truth and share it with others. Please join me in taking back the story on the Sarah Carter podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Then, as we go to our crazy martini gym, there are some states that just, they're just not going to count for a while. They're just going just to wait at least a week for in-person votes to be counted. That would be your original home state of New Jersey, Jim. This is uh, PIX11 News, uh, New York's very own. They say New Jersey election officials won't count ballots cast in person on election day until at least November 10th, a state official confirmed Monday. The Board of Elections will count all mail-in ballots first and vote-by-mail ballots postmarked by November 3rd can arrive through November 10th and be counted. New Jersey counties won't have a complete list of all mail-in ballots until at least November 10th. More than 3.5 million New Jersey residents have already voted. Governor Phil Murphy said Monday that number is 90% of the entire voter turnout in the 2016 presidential election. All votes cast in person will be cross-checked against mail-in ballots to avoid voter fraud. The Trump campaign had tried to stop New Jersey's mail in ballot program. They claimed it would lead to fraud. So, Jim, uh, due diligence uh, is generally a good thing. I don't think you need to wait an entire week to actually start tallying votes. What is yeah. going on here?
0: Yeah, I was going to say, Greg, this really does raise some interesting questions about what happens tonight when the networks say, you know, the polls have closed. You know, When will they call New Jersey? Because we know that it was a, let's assume, we don't know exactly what the total turnout is going to be, but when you've got 90% of your 2016 total and it's a, you know, a high intensity year, you know, it seems very likely that there'll be at least equal to 2016. So probably over the course of today, you're going to have a neighborhood of 363,000 Garden State residents showing up to vote. Um, but who knows, maybe it'll be more, maybe it'll be 400,000, maybe 500,000. Right now, they, they, they're on course have 90% if it's equal to that. If it goes up, then what the, the total sum of the early vote that they have will be less than 90%. Maybe it'll be 87%, 85%. So it'll be, well, hey, there's the, all these votes that were cast today. We're not even going to start till November 10th. Well, then you've got 10%, 15% of your things, of, of your, your ballots that you're not going to count. They really should not be calling the state for Joe Biden tonight. They really should not be calling Cory Booker's re-election tonight. Now, are they going is, to, is Biden going to win New Jersey? Yeah, sure. Yeah, polling has him way ahead. Is Cory Booker going to win another term tonight? Yeah, yeah, he is. But when the state says we've got this big pile of ballots that we're not going to count, we're not even going to start counting until a week from now, I don't know how you can make a, what would be in my eyes, a legit call. You don't necessarily need to be at 99% of precincts reporting, although there are a lot of times, yeah, it does matter to come down to that. Particularly, we, We've all watched elections before, We've all seen ones where, you know, in our home state of Virginia, it always, Republicans always look like they're doing well. And my home county of Fairfax County, which has more than a million people in it, comes in, and the, the Democratic votes start coming in, in big bunches. Um, people have been very suspicious about, I believe it's the, the county around Gary, Indiana, uh, that tends to report last. And, and, you know, it's one of those things where whenever you have one place that's the last place to report, if you have zero results from them. And you have results from all the other counties in your state, that's when people start to get suspicious because it's, the sense is that they're waiting, okay, how many do we need, right? If we have one county in, in, uh, in, in any of these states tonight that has not reported anything when everybody else has, that's when your, your suspicious radar should go off. But in this case of New Jersey, like, I'm glad they're checking in person votes against absentee votes. That seems like a, a wise thing. There's always a chance somebody's either going to. Deliberately do so, or maybe as somebody who's really forgetful and they forgot that they voted absentee or something. But it's one of those things where I don't think the Garden State should be called tonight. Now, that probably won't be decisive, but the fact if the networks say, oh, yeah, we're giving this to New Jersey, know that they're doing it with a big chunk of the
1: electorate that won't be counted until after November 10th. Well, with all this early voting, Jim, I assume we don't have our regular exit polls. And I know the data crunchers can look at the key precincts now and the exit polls don't matter as much as they did 15, 20 years ago. But uh, with 100 million people voting early, that's pretty much non-existent this year, right? I think you're right, Greg. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, if, if the projections are right, that uh, today's turnout is going to be heavily in favor of President Trump, and today's the day they base the exit polls on, uh, that, could be, uh, that could be interesting. But I,
0: I I have, I I've that actually been thinking about this, and I had this feeling that they, they have to be more cautious than usual. And I let, you know, you know, I'll tell the great story of the 2004 exit polls, because there are rumors that go around. 2004, I had a good source who was feeding me the exit polls as they came in. Can't say who the source was. He'd done it throughout the primaries, and then he gives me um, the, the general election ones, and he's like, I, I believe he said, he, but they stopped, he wouldn't send me them. I'm like, What's going on? He's like, well, they have Kerry winning South Carolina. I'm
1: like, what?
0: All of the, all of the, the early uh, first round of exit polls in 2004 had John Kerry winning by a wide margin, winning every swing state, and all that kind of stuff. And it was just like, wow, how could Bush have done that badly? And then you saw the number in South Carolina and you're like, wait a second, wait a second. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't, you know, even in a million years, this was, you know, this you know, this was, there was no way a guy like John Kerry was gonna win a state like South Carolina. Well, they went back and they checked. It turns out that the uh, people who had been hired by Associated Press and the other people collecting the exit polls uh, were generally young college-age women. So you'd have <laughs> young college-age guys coming out with these young college-age women, look, as a a demographic, young, college age women tend to vote very democratic. So the suspicion was there were a whole bunch of guys who'd voted for Bush who, like, saw this cute girl, like, oh, yeah, I totally vote for Kerry. I'm I'm, I'm totally down with the cause. So that was the theory about why the early exit polls were so wrong in 2004. So if you hear early numbers floating around in mid to late afternoon, don't panic. If you haven't voted, go out and vote. Remember 2000. Remember NBC News calling the state for gore when the, the, uh, uh, the panhandle polling places were still open. People went home. Don't do that. Cast your vote. Let your voice be heard. And we'll keep running this country as best we can.
1: Buckle up, everybody. We'll see if we have real results tomorrow. Hopefully we will in most races, including the presidential race. But we'll see. We'll talk about it then. Jim, see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus Radio America. Thanks very much for being with us today. Do not forget about our sponsors over at ExpressVPN, expressvpn.com slash martini. Please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch. We love to see those kind reviews and five-star ratings. Also, remember, you can get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. And go vote and join us again tomorrow for the next Three Martini Lunch.